Welcome to the Web 3.1 Unconference Weekly Space. Now, what is Web 3.1 Unconference and who are the folks putting this event together? Well, by the time we finish this first show, we'll have the answers to those questions and more. Hello, my name is Jennifer Navarrete. I'm a podcast producer, award-winning social media strategist, community builder, and most recently, a Web3 blockchain content creation enthusiast. I am joined by Chris Hewer, Christy Wells, and hopefully Tina Wee, who are the founders and lead organizers of the Web 3.1 Unconference. Now, if those names sound familiar, that's because Chris and Christy co-founded Social Media Club back in 2006, when social media was first beginning to see the light of day and well before it became something the world used to communicate globally. They are what we would call pioneers and early adopters, and they saw that the world would need to learn to use these new communication tools. And with Social Media Club, they set the framework for how folks like myself could not only learn about these tools and use cases, but as local chapter leaders could also share what we were learning with our local communities. Now, if you've ever heard me talk about Learn, Share, Grow and how I apply that concept to just about everything I do, these are the folks who coined that phrase as Social Media Club. Now, um, we will go into, I share that history lesson with you because it should come as no surprise that Chris and Christy, as well as Tina, have formed the Web 3.1 Unconference to answer those same questions and galvanize a community around the new Web 3 technology. It's easy to see that Web 3 and the blockchain is going to continue to dominate the news cycle and the way that we communicate and do business is changing. So welcome, Chris and Christy. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Appreciate Thanks, it. Jennifer. Glad to be here. <laughs> well, and, and I, can I just say before we get underway how much I love you? You just did such an awesome kickoff. I forget what that level of professionalism looks like. That that is really amazing. So thank you. <laughs> I mean, well, it's really obviously you know, it's really <laughs> something. I, I know you're skilled. Obviously, you've been doing this for a long time now. And we've watched you grow. Like that was really awesome. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Well, so let's, I, I, we've got some questions. I've got some questions and not just me. I'm sure the folks in here and the folks who are going to listen to the replay have questions as well. Let's lay the framework for the Web 3.0 Unconference, which is happening on March 1st, right? In essence, 3.1, with what inspired you to create another movement driven by community with Web 3.1. I mean, you all already, ch you know, changed the world with Social Media Club. What was it about Web 3 that caused you to go, we've got to do this again, but let's do it again and potentially do it even better? better well first of all as you probably know and some other people do as well because i've been a little i've been a little bitchy about it um we didn't we didn't complete what we set out to do or what i set out to do um they're definitely i mean look we accomplished a lot i know for a fact that there's hundreds of babies that were born out of, out of social media club you know more than that number of weddings and god knows how many businesses and careers and you know the ability for people to be included, step up, and and advance themselves and, and grow. And you know that idea at the core of that was essentially the same idea as at the core of Web three. Now um, we were decentralized already through our network structure. Um, we were actually uh, all about like co ownership because we actually had a community mark that other people were able to customize to each town, and we all owned it. And we all really kind of own the movement. Not only that, at the beginning, you know, the first membership we were trying to sell to get it uh, was a co-founder membership because we really wanted people to have that sense of a co-ownership. Uh, and if we were, you know, had these technologies of Web3 back then, uh, we would have been a DAO. Uh, anyways, Chrissy, I'll let you say a couple of words before I kind of explain what happened to get us here. But uh, please, jump in. Uh, I mean, basically, I just you know, stuck at home for the last two years working remotely, and we just needed another excuse to gather our, our community together. So I, I say that kind of half jesting, but uh, half in jest, but um, Chris, you know, shared that really nicely. I think for us, it's, you know, having access to, and Chris, I'm going to have you go on mute when you're not talking because there's some background mm -hmm. noise. Um, but uh, there's, you know, going through this and just knowing that technology continues to innovate and advance and that there's, you know, we want to see what we can do to try to help bring those folks together and, um, you know, form a group of educators to, you know, repeat what we did with Social Media Club. And I'm excited to, to see where this goes. Yeah. And then really the, the inspiration for it was, again, a, a personal journey um, when I, I, you know, I look. Tina's been doing uh, Follow the Coin as one of her blogs, podcasts, you know, publications now almost 10 years. And so we've been connected with it. And our dear friend Brian Zisk has been hosting The Future of Money, where I've spoken several times on 
social capital, alternative currencies, and a bunch of other stuff over the years. And we met Vitaly before Ethereum lost, right? And we met all the Bitcoin guys after it was only maybe a year or two old. Um, but we just never really saw it as a thing. And in fact, there was a couple of times we tried to buy a wallet and get all into it because we we're like, oh, we got to get in now. This big dip that happened a while back, I think about five years ago. Um, we were like, we got to get in it, but we couldn't get our wallet set up. And, and we're, we're tech savvy. You know, I mean, I've been programming since sixth, seventh grade, which is now some, you know, 40 some odd years. Um, but it, I just couldn't get it. It was too complicated. The language was too exclusionary still. And really, the, the reality in that, that's what happens every time. You know, the, the early adopters and pioneers are, you know, gearheads and engineers. They are techies. They love the tech for the tech sake a lot of times. And we get to this point where if we look at Jeffrey Moore's model on crossing the chasm, you know, there's something that happens to move it from those early adopters to being the early majority where it starts to enter the mainstream. Um, and, you know, that's what I, I saw finally happening over the last several months. And Jeremiah O'Wang, of course, is really a deep expert now on NFTs and, and, and blockchain and all of this stuff going on. But he was talking about another NFT at one point on Twitter, and I jumped in and I'm like, oh, I'm, no way. This is a scam. I'm not getting in it. And in fact, the articles this week, there are several more about this. Like people can just copy it. Not only that, but the rights behind NFTs are so confusing and so disparate in terms of how people set them up differently. People don't always know what they're buying. Even. Um, and it's really just speculations on securities at the end of the day in a lot of ways. But collectibles themselves are cool. I mean, in fact, I, I was at the U.S. Mint, <laughs> the federal government agency, uh, back in 99-2000, a luxury e-commerce program. And so there I studied collectibles, you know, and, and everything from the little dolls to Beanie Babies to Coca-Cola merchandise to coins and all the rest of the stuff. Uh, an average person back then, the, the statistics said they'd have six collections in a lifetime uh, that they would kind of wind through. So th there's some things that are going on there that I think are good, but I was like, this is bullshit. I'm not going to get involved in it. And then uh, Peter Shankman actually tagged the, the tweet and said, this isn't going to age well. And I'm, I respect Peter a lot too, obviously. I've known him for a long time. And, I, and I'm like, huh, let's look at it more. And really right then is when I started researching it, teaching myself. And uh, I took Don uh, Tapscott's blockchain uh, course on Coursera and got into a couple of the other courses and started really understanding what it was and reached out to a lot of my friends like Slomo Rabinovitz and, and Boris Mann and others who ended up you know, teaching me what was going on right now. And I'm like, holy shit, this is everything that we've been talking about for 25 years. And it's finally enabled by this technology. So I'm like, I, I, we have the language for this. Not only that, we've tried to do this before. And look, we're at a point right now where there's a lot, well, well there's a lack of ethics at the core of a lot of conversations. And there's a ton of really amazing people who actually mean to change the world with this decentralized technology. Um, perhaps they just don't realize that average people don't care about decentralized. They care about what it does for them. Um, so very much the things that are going on now with Web3 are the things that went on with, you know, Web2, Web1, the PC revolution, the network PC revolution, and, it, you know, it's history, you know, rhyming again. So I saw it as an opportunity for us to come in and actually finally deliver on what has been my lifelong pursuit to actually bring more fairness into the world, to actually empower more people to have sovereignty over their lives. And as we started looking at it and examining it over the last couple of months, um, Michael Moon and Stephen Gans and this group that I'm part of on Waymakers really framed it quite well. Uh, they came back to this idea that we're moving now from the sharing economy to the co-ownership economy, from the creator economy to the co-creator economy, and the net effect is co-elevation. They create new structures with these new technologies, specifically on, on tokens, on NFTs and DAOs, to create a, a broader shared ownership. And uh, of course, we can go into what, how that works later on. But you know, that I was studying co-ops in 1995. We, we were studying time banks in 1995 with my first company, which was Virtual Community Network. Uh, so I've got like the, not only the language, but we also have some real grassroots economic patterns and, and a bunch of those people who have been doing that for decades that we're actually bringing into this and we're going to teach them the technology as well.
Uh, I can completely understand why you wanted to take the reins on this. When I can tell you that I have been investigating this space for since March, in a serious capacity since March. And I've been kind of going it with a few close friends, just kind of doing it as me, as Jennifer, as an individual person, as e-podcaster, trying to learn this as I go. When I heard that you and Christy were going to, to rally and champion this initiative, I was like, thank goodness, somebody who knows how to put, who knows how to gather a global force of early adopters and pioneers together is going to take the reins on this. And I was like, what can I do to support this initiative? What can I do to share what you guys are doing? And that's kind of what we're doing now. This is a piece of that as we lean, as we get closer towards that, we're going to be doing these weekly. And so you mentioned uh, about the wallets, Chris, and how it was so hard to get things started. It's still hard to get things started even all these years later. And there's so many folks who are being bombarded with talk of Web3 or what we more commonly were, were, Web3.0 or we more commonly refer to it as Web3. They're hearing about NFTs, they're hearing about cryptocurrencies, they're hearing about the blockchain. And for folks who follow me, they're also hearing about the blockchain as a content creation destination, which is a totally different aspect and yet not so totally different because it all ties in. So it's a lot to take in. And those of us, even those of us who are considered early adopters, I can tell you that I deal with a lot of overwhelm myself. And I'm like you, I'm pretty techie geeky. I can kind of muck around and stuff and figure things out. But there is so much to learn and so much to understand. And what's the practical application of these tools, of these platforms? How does this work in my everyday life? Does it make my everyday life better? And if it does, then in what way can I utilize that? And then in what can it replace things that are not so great? And so when we look at that, um, there's a whole lot of that pioneer spirit that encourages us to press forward and investigate these new tools and new technologies to discover practical use cases. And the way that we, I think of us as early adopters and pioneers is that we're kind of forging the path, right? Where it's the wild west and there's not a road, right? It's not like there's a smooth paved roadway for folks to travel on. Right now it's, you know, tumbleweeds and and rocks and it's kind of rough. And so we need to go in there and kind of pave the way for everyone else as pioneers. So what would you say to folks who are looking at Web3 and feeling overwhelmed? Well, first of all, uh, you're right, <laughs> totally on that. And that's actually the other problem. Um, I just remember sitting in my office in South Beach in 1995 when we started our first interactive agency uh, with that same sort of overwhelm I have now as I try to navigate through all the different chains and the different nets that they transfer on. and even just kind of understanding that broad architecture and every day there's something new, you know, just yesterday near, you know, this, this VR basically sort of DAO and, and coin and God knows what else it's going to be. It's going to be all these different things. I uh, just launched yesterday and I'm like, Oh shit, how am I going to get up on this? I'm still like three uh, stories and different blockchains behind just trying to make sense of it. So the first thing I would say is not to worry about it. Um, second thing is, is that if you are somebody who has a little money and, and you have the ability to invest and possibly, more importantly, to lose uh, $100 or $500, 1000 whatever that is, that's great. Then then go ahead and jump in and get somebody to get it to you, who get you online, get you a wallet, get you to understand which of these coins are, uh, understand how to trade them and how to, how to do it and play with it. And you can lose it and it's not going to, it's not going to be slave. That's all pretty much that we've done with it. But what, what we're talking about right now is more specifically crypto. And what we're going to be talking about with Web3.1 is not crypto. It's not about the securities. It's not about creating a new fiat currency. It's not about, you know, getting something that's going to be a thousand X return and make you into a billionaire. Um, it's about the practical uses of this technology into our everyday lives. And um, anyways, you had an original question. I just ended off, off of it. So let me get back to it with you. Well, can you get me back on point so that I can answer it directly again? You actually did answer it directly because oh, I was good. asking you, what do you say to folks who are looking at Web3 and feeling overwhelmed? Oh, yes. And you're saying, go in easy, play yes. around with it with money that doesn't actually matter. But even then, when I talk about the blockchain content creators, um, yep. I'm telling folks to, if they're going to uh, use the blockchain as a content creation destination, play around with it. Like, you know, Push the buttons, pull the levers, see what it does, but do it yeah. in a really low pressure way so that you're not, you know, sinking all of, you know, not, not putting all of your money on black or red, right? You're not rolling the, the roulette wheel. You're just kind of trying to po poke around and see what works for you. And I really do feel that you did. Christy, do you have anything to add to that? 
Yeah, thanks, Jennifer. I was going to just reiterate that because I think that was, you know, we've been playing with crypto for a couple of years. And I when all this started to really kind of just take into, I, I don't want to say mainstream, but it seems most of our network was all of a sudden starting to talk about, even though they might have been working on this, you know, Web3 technologies for five, six, seven, eight years. Um, it just feels like all of a sudden the last three months or so, it just kind of hit Twitter and hit Twitter hard. And I started to feel really bad case of FOMO of like, oh my God, we're so late. We're so late in this, you know? Um, but I think to Chris's point and yours too, it's, it's really just, you know, what little tiny bites can you take? What's the one thing? Don't worry about trying to learn it all. Like maybe just focus on NFTs or maybe just focus on blockchain and what that means. And then, you know, sometimes it's crypto is the gateway to get people in. Um, but I think that it's so complex and we're still in the, it is so similar to the early days of web two, which eventually became like social media, right? It's so insider baseball right now. Um, everybody who's in it and has been in it is very good about talking the talk. Um, but you know, I think it's really just trying to find one little piece that you can digest it, get that under your belt, then move on. And, you know, not worry about FOMO because, you know, this is, it's going to be a decade in the making, you know, and just because now Facebook is talking about it. And so true. Twitter, Twitter just did that hexagon avatar. Now you can spend, you know, $400 a year to have your avatar uh, in a special shape, but I still can't edit my tweets. You know, I mean, there, there's things that are coming and they're coming fast. Um, you know, when Walmart- oh, no, You can edit your tweets in that. I got to correct you. That, in Twitter blue, you can edit your tweets. So you get that too. Okay. All right. So I guess I have, I just need to start paying Twitter money, I guess is what it all comes down to. But anyways, um, I think as you start to, and you start to hear this more and more as brands like a Walmart or a Disney are like, yes, we're going to have our own metaverse. You know, we're going to have our own little worlds that you can come in and play in. That is just, again, find one little piece, start diving in, learning it, get comfortable with the language, start assimilating it and then branch out. Yeah, and actually, I'm sorry, let me just add on this, and then Rose, I saw your, your hand go up, so we'll, we'll get to here in a sec. Um, but I also wanted to add, because Chrissy's right, talking about the metaverse of this, the whole Web3 is so many different technologies. You know, Mark Tanner keeps yelling at us about this to make sure that it's not just blockchain, and it is so much more than that. Um, but the, the underlying infrastructure that the blockchain provides to create things that can't be changed. Right. I mean, a lot of people still are like, what's non-fungible? Well, that means immutable or unchangeable or like it's on your permanent record. So I guess schools are going to be turning to that very quickly, right, if they haven't already. Uh, but there's also things you can do like, and again, I, I, I have challenged recommending Facebook for anything given the amount of privacy they have problems with. But, you know, the Quest 2 is phenomenal. Uh, it's helping me lose weight. I'm running uh, virtual collaboration meetings in there meeting with friends of mine from around the world in different spaces inside of it. Um, you know, I'm just playing games and, and learning and, and doing so much more. Um, and it's just really a phenomenal experience and, you know, supernatural for the workout program. And uh, it helps so many people to move away. It's such a different dynamic workout experience at home. Um, but the other thing I just want to add on, on the crypto side is you, everyone is going to need a wallet to participate in some way as an identity. So the one thing I just want to come back and add on top of what we said earlier is if you don't have a lot of money to lose, then, you know, go in with a couple of friends, 20 bucks each or something and get one together and just kind of share that and, and do a couple of things. Find the buddy you trust or somebody who can actually be your teacher and guide. And I know actually, because we've been talking to a lot of educators and evangelists and entrepreneurs in the space, which is who we're really trying to serve here with Web 3.1, those early adopters who are going to bring on the rest of society, the other organizations that are out there, and, the rest of and uh, they've done that for a lot of people. They've been essentially taking custodial positions and looking after people's wallets with small amounts of dollars. So um, there's a bunch of different ways to do it, and that's actually what we want to figure out together uh, at Web 3.1 at this unconference is to kind of raise that. And that's where the theme of, of the conference is: what will it take to deliver on the promise of Web 3? And we know what it's going to take is a lot of individuals helping others to learn the technology, to understand the implications of it, the needs for higher security, the responsibilities that come along with it, and the opportunities for co-creation, especially. Whether it's co-creating podcasts or a course or a book, or if it's co-creating a business, um, all of that stuff now is going to be much easier well, in a couple of years, it'll be much easier because there's still another hurdle right now. 
but it's going to become much easier. So like the, the three of us or the four of us now, you know, if we wanted to, I, I imagine there's going to be a time where we're going to be able to go online, each put in $100, $50, $5,000, whatever it might be, into a Dow treasury, and each have uh, a mechanism of ownership to control those funds and have a voice in the vote and have more than that. And we're going to see this huge explosion of startups between all of these people who have been resigning from all the retail workers who have quit because they've been treated too shitty for too long by too many people. And I think we're really on the cusp of like a, a massive human evolutionary phase. Um, and that's where we know, and again, coming back to why doing it, is that we know somebody needs to be the voice for integrity, ethics, standing up for doing the right thing, and give space to other people who share those values to come together as a force to make that world more of a reality. And uh, I think one of the different things that we're doing this time that we learned from last time is we did a lot of talking last time. We did a lot of workshops and, and conferences and meetups and things like that. This time we're going to do more. We're going to do more projects. We're going to look for open standards that need to be created. We're going to do more research into like what types of DAO structures work and, and a lot of other areas that we still have to unearth by talking to more people. So um, I'm sorry, I keep going on. I'll be well, <laughs> Uh, Tina has has joined us. Tina, let me give Tina an intro. Tina Wee is a serial entrepreneur, executive, and innovator. She is currently founding The Gage, a community platform and collective in support of meaningful innovation, leadership, and living. By the way, Tina, totally dig what you're doing. In 2013, she produced and founded the advocacy, education, and media platform Follow the Coin and has, and has also been advising and working on a few positive projects in the Web3 space inclusive of Gallerium.xyz, Akash Network, and a few green tech, cybersecurity, and tech for good initiatives. Tina, welcome. We appreciate you being here. Hi, uh, thank you. And Jennifer, I'm a huge fan of what you're doing. And of course, what Chris and Christy are always doing. And I'm glad to be here. And well, so let me, let me ask you the question that Chris and Christy just answered. And it really has to do with overwhelm. I mean, you're someone who is very deeply involved in this space, but what do you tell folks who are new, who are looking at Web3 and just feeling so overwhelmed by everything that's coming at them at what feels like 100 miles per hour? Oh, this is a really good question. Um, to be honest, I think I've been in the space since 2013. And even back then, candidly, it was overwhelming. And so I think it's unfortunately the nature of the beast. Um, you have to... You know, I, I actually think there's a lot of great effort right now in the space uh, where people are actually trying to create spaces and listservs and lists of places where, you know, we can actually be supportive of people coming into the space and people even in the space a long time. New jargon, new technology, new everything is happening at all speeds, all hours of the day. The Internet does not sleep. And so I do know that um, Kraken is a really good resource for educational content around, you know, the space. Um, they're doing a lot. Jesse's in a lot of really great educational videos. And there are other different um, entities that are also being educationally supportive. Uh, they're pretty awesome. And so like, I would definitely sign up for a few key newsletters as well. And maybe, you know what we, I, I think it's been a project that people have kind of mentioned here or there. I think we will do it. I want to create a wiki. So maybe we'll here, fine. I'll create a wiki and we're going to all put in uh, the best uh, things that we can possibly find to kind of guide people and make a sense of all of these resources that are out there because Pantera Capital has a really amazing newsletter. Um, you know, uh, Kraken has their content. Uh, a bunch of different publications are doing a pretty decent job. And I think it's, it is really noisy and it is really hard. And I guess that's why we're here to try and put some sense to all of the noise, right? And some structure. Yeah, and, and just on top of that, uh, oh God. So just yesterday I was trying to explain to some people the vision for, you know, the organization and the community that hopefully comes from this. It seems like it will given the, the current feedback and interest that we're seeing. Um, and I, I was speaking of it as a guild of guilds, and that, well, what does that mean and everything? I mean, you could say a group of group, a team of teams, there's lots of other ways of saying it. But then, you know, literally five minutes after I got off that call, I got the Bankless newsletter, and here's like a full 25, 30-minute read on subdows, which actually described what I was trying to describe to my friend. 
right? So, it, but like, I didn't have time to read it all. And then there's 50 resources they put together. So you really do have to also, to get into this, set aside the time to learn. Uh, just like I had to do with Coursera and Capscad blockchain course and, and everything else, is we've got to do time blocking in our lives to block out that time where you can watch an educational, educational video, you can take a course, you can read deep on something, you can really explore it. Um, hey, I also, Rose, I had invited you up to speak because you had, had your hand raised before. If, if you uh, want to go ahead and do that, it would be great to have you up here. Um, well, and yeah. I was just gonna, while we're on that too, Chris, I think it's really important of um, some of this technology is super frustrating. Um, you know, when I went in to set up my ETH wallet, you know, it took me probably three days in total to get it done because every time I would go, like I read everything I needed to do, right, to get this set up. And I'm like, okay, I got it. I'm smart. I can make this happen. And then all of a sudden I got hit with these things like gas fees, right? And so as much education as you think you have, it may not actually be enough. So my whole recommendation is just to keep pushing through, ask questions. The thing that's really lovely, like a lot of people are throwing things into the Web3 hashtag on Twitter. And I had a great conversation with a couple of folks in the Cardano community the other day because I had some questions. And I was just trying to figure some things out. There's so many people out there who are willing to help. And so I think it's like be open and, and even vulnerable. Like for me, I am 100% noob when it comes to Web3 technology, even though I've been trading crypto for four years. Like there's, there's so much that's untapped here and you just have to keep plugging through and pushing it and keep reading and experiment um, and it'll happen, you know, and gas wait, wait, suck. Did, did, did doctor, did, well, and actually as Boris reminded me when I told him that the other day, that represents the real cost of the transaction. Right. Uh, that's a whole different problem. But yeah, but I just wanted to say to have Dr. Wells call herself a noob that I, I've got to put this in the record. Book, so I'm sorry. Um, so uh, side note. Specifically on Web3, on everything else, <laughs> okay. everything. Chris. Oh, that's my. Hey, hey, Rose. <laughs> hey, Rose, how are you? You're up. Can you, are you up, Mike? Yeah, you're up. Or is she not? Yeah, Rose, we can't hear you. She might be on desktop where Rose, um, you're, we don't hear you unless you're on the mobile version of Twitter. Hi, is that they let you put it? There we go. We got you. Thank you very much. Okay. Rose. Thanks for coming. Thank in. you. Thank you. Uh, I think mistakenly I, I pressed <laughs> the talk button, um, to raise my hand. Um, I just will say that I think it's the third space I've been in. I've been in with Jennifer. <laughs> uh, I guess one question I would have as a journalist, uh, is, you know, how good a job is our journalists, uh, the mainstream, I guess, not not um, tech publications, uh, explaining what the blockchain web, you know, because I, I was just in a group and, and they said, well, no, you can't even capitalize W, you know, it has to be a small W for Web3. Uh, and like, I think um, Christy, was it Christy or Tina was just saying that uh, it's hard, you know, people are throwing the hashtag out with you know, Web3, and what does that really mean? So so how can it, myself as a journalist, what can I do to um, to do the base, you know, my job, you know, I, I've been a business journalist, but I'm not, as you can hear, I'm a newbie to this, but I think there's a need to understand, you know, to explain what this is all about. Well, let, let me knock the simple one out early, which is uh, AP Style Guide doesn't have a, a, a standard for capitalization or lower right. case. On that, yeah. So right now it can go either way. Um, you know, broadly speaking, I, I see the capitalization. That's what we did with Web two, and just following that precedent. You know, that that's simple enough. But no, the mainstream media has done a terrible job at it. Um, but they've also they're doing what they need to do to sustain journalism. So I don't begrudge it necessarily on all that as well. It, you know, it's the Constitution now. It's the guys who bought the golf course. It, it's you know. They didn't do it, but somebody will try to buy the Mona Lisa or something, right? Like those are big, powerful headline traffic driving stories. Um, because the reality, as Tina was saying earlier, at the beginning it was complicated. It's still complicated, and it's getting more complicated. Um, and it's getting more complicated because of the, uh, I hate to say it, but we've got to call it out, the scammers and hucksters and the people out there pumping and dumping, manipulating coins and the rest of the stuff. You know, there's just a good article in, in Quartz on this the other day, and then there's another publication earlier this week that I can't remember talking about the amount of fraud that's happening with NFTs in the art world now. 
you know, the art world was always, prior to technology, was always money laundering internationally and elsewhere and so many other things because who says this painting's worth $5 million or $5? Well, you know, there's, there's room there for some, some slush, right? Um, but back to the other stuff, you know, I again, my whole thing in looking at it was on the sensationalism of the mega get-rich-quick millionaires overnight. And as I've been looking around, we have found so many community organizations or just communities that have formed within these DAO structures to do climate change, to, you know, to clean the waters, to actually serve local communities. We're going to have an entire track at Web3.1 on community startup ecosystems. By that I mean, like, what is Portland doing? Because we're talking to Rick Tertozzi, who's going to help lead a track on that. We've got Martin Montero, who's been involved in startup ecosystems, not only across North America, but in South America and elsewhere in the world. And what's necessary to sustain that? And one of the things that I'm most interested in, and, and we're going to have another track talking about the leadership issues of the type of leader that needs to like govern with that sort of an element of a benevolent dictator in some places, but it's also a lot of people who still believe consensus is an easy mechanism instead of being the place where great dreams go to die because we don't get consensus. We get the sort of gridlock we have now with our legislative body, right? Um, and, you know, ultimately there needs to be a leader who's in charge, who's looking for the best interests of everyone, who can be transparent, who can actually lift people up and is, is understanding a broader array of what's really happening here in the impact and has a real song uh, purpose behind the work that actually is what galvanizes people together. When we look back at social media clubs, the one thing, and I saw this right away so early because of when we met people like Jennifer and Connie Reese and so many others that, that we've been fortunate to become friends with, actually to consider part of our family, was that the idea of our mantra, which was, if you get it, share it, like that was a shared value. And it was a, it was a really short story uh, that explained this idea that if you understand something, don't shame people because they don't. Don't, you know, bring arrogance into it. I got a whole longer life story on why that came up for me. But, you know, what can we do to lift people up? What can we do to share what we know so that people can understand what's happening? And much as before with our, our first T-shirts, you know, I'm thinking back to the idea of one farmer talking to another farmer. Uh, the first farmer has full, bountiful crops and the second one doesn't. And the first one's able to share some seeds and help share that seed of knowledge in order for them both to have, you know, bountiful crops and do well. And, and that actually also gets to a subtext of part of my other purpose here is that I, I have a belief in, and we believe it's really expressed well in the idea of co-elevation, that if you're better off, I'm better off, and we as a society are better off. And that looking for those win-win-win situations isn't as hard as it may seem. Um, but it's not easy and happening often. <laughs> so we have to actually work for it. And mm -hmm. we can't just allow, as I learned earlier last year, um, we can't just go with the flow. We have to go after the flow. We actually have to generate that sort of energy in order to make it happen. Right. And so you taking on the, you know, is it your opening question? How is it being covered now? And what are we missing? Um, that, that's perfect sort of question to ask. Mm. You know, one of the things that you mentioned, Chris, was that um, we're about the Web 3.1 unconference, right? Obviously, this is the title of the space. This is the title of the discussions that we will have weekly going forward. But let's dive into that. You know, what is, you know, it's happening on Tuesday, March 1st, and you could have gone the traditional conference route with this. But why go with an unconference route when we're looking at something like this? And, and I, I will throw it, I guess, let's maybe we can start with Christy and then Tina and then come back to you, Chris, to round us out. Christy, what was it about an unconference model that made it an attractive option for the Web 3.1? Well, I think it's it, the important thing for us is always to make sure that all voices are heard. And for us, the unconference model gives that opportunity for people to raise their hand and say, I'm really passionate about this topic or I have questions about this topic. I'd like to hold a space open to ensure that there's some learning opportunities that take place around this. And, you know, the way that this, the conference memorandum is all Chris, like I am taking no credit for this, but for me, it was, you know, as we were looking at this, it just feels right. It feels like while there'll be some pre-planned sessions, because we want to make sure certain things get covered, we have very set intentions, 
you know, to move this thing forward. Um, we wanted to make sure there were some opportunities for people just to, to jump in and just say, you know what, I really I appreciate all these other conversations. I want to talk about this. So that's my thoughts on it. But I'll turn it over to Tina and Chris. I, I do want to say, um, well, I, I've been speaking to some of, I guess they call us the OGs now, the ones that have been here since like 2012 and beyond or 13, which I'm like, oh, okay, we're really old. Um, so, but I was talking to them about uh, joining this unconference and they love it too. And I think part of that is leaving, like Christy, we we're just talking about format earlier today. And it's like leaving it up to the speakers to define how they wish best wish to be featured is kind of key. I think to be fair and honest, there have been so many of these money 2020s, there's been coin agenda, there's everything has an agenda, then nobody's going to get to hear new voices, interesting voices, interesting perspectives, and like, actually be able to collaborate and co elevate or do any um, innovation, right? So I think it I think the unconference is actually brilliant. Um, and it's something that's very needed in this space. Forever, I think tech can become sort of an echo chamber of just the loudest voices in the room. And sometimes they're not the best. Sometimes they are, but sometimes we also just need to hear other people's perspective. And there are a lot of projects that don't get airtime that actually are doing incredible work. And it could be the introvert in the room who has the kind heart and the caring leadership that actually could provide something uh, meaningful, which is actually Vitalik is quite an introvert, you know, and he's only gotten louder now that, you know, he launched and, you know, over time and getting comfortable. And so we need to hear those voices and those are important. Uh, I love the unconference model personally. I'm, I'm one of those OG folks that was doing pod camp and bar camp and, you know, tweet camp and those kinds of things back 2007 on. So again, when I heard that you guys were going this route, I was like, what can I do to make this a success? What can I do to help what you are doing? Because I'm just such a fan and the fact that you all are leading the charge, I believe, I know that it's going to be a success and that people's lives will be impacted because I am someone whose life was impacted by the work that you did with Social Media Club. So Chris, Unconference, what was it about it that you were like, this is the way? Well, you know, you probably don't remember because it didn't work the last time I, I tried to do it, but there was a... Uh, time at South by Southwest for one of the side events that I tried to put together with Unconference 2 uh, to kind of bring that back because it had died out. Um, you know, certainly WordCamp is still happening and WordCamp follows an Unconference sort of format and there's a few others that are out there. But, you know, at one time there was three or four of them every weekend. And, you know, for me, all the things that Christy and Tina just said are so important. But it really comes down to enabling participation, um, enabling, as Tina was saying, but what I would say as the, get the doers the opportunity to get in front of people, talk about what they're doing and find other people who are also passionate about it to connect. And what we found coming out of those first bar camps, it is indeed at the heart of actually the ad hocium brand, which is our consultancy, is the idea that there isn't one necessarily single approach that will always work out. And what we found was, as we moved from bar camp to brain jams, to web 2.1 and web 2.2 and social media club and a bunch of other unconferences and social media camp and other stuff we did, was that a mix of structured and unstructured worked very well. And it was about finding, not that balance, but about finding a harmony between the two. And, and that's what we're looking for here. And just to, to purists out there, it's not just open space throughout the whole time. It's not just all unconference, but throughout the unconference day, we'll not only have uh, open space sessions that'll be planned by the participants, uh, and we don't know what they are yet, although we are kind of directing them into several different tracks that are issues that are very important in order to deliver on the promise of Web3. Um, but we will also have a World Cafe, uh, which is a really wonderful way to facilitate uh, solution development, ideation, and also for people to meet each other and have those meaningful conversations in small groups. Uh, and anyways, I, I won't explain that whole thing here, but we also have networking sessions throughout the day using our friend Lawrence Coburn's uh, technology twine. And, and, and by the way, the whole the whole conference, we went ahead and, and went for a little bigger thing to make sure that we had the, the capacity. So we're running the entire event on Hopin. And then we're going off to use a couple of other collaborative technologies in between. And I guess the last point about the unconference is, uh, 
you know, we did this with Web 2.1. Um, I wasn't meaning to go, you know, kind of piss off Tim O'Reilly, although apparently I did. Uh, but it was $2,800 for that first two, Web 2 conference. And at the time, Web 2 was about open source tech. It was about APIs. It was about being able to develop stuff finally in the cloud. So it didn't cost, you know, $100,000 to get a server set up to run a website, all of that stuff. And most of the people we knew didn't have that kind of money. So we really don't want money to be an object uh, in the way that, that or um, yeah, we don't want money to prevent people from being able to participate. So we'll find ways to do scholarships or other stuff, but there's a free ticket. Uh, there's going to be a $99 ticket, which is for the recordings of the main sessions and a bunch of other things that are good. And then there's actually what is really cool, I hope, uh, and what it seems like more and more people are, are excited about, which is actually a DAO ticket. Uh, and that'll actually basically give them the right to uh, participate in the governance of the organization that comes from this. So the day after the unconference on the second, we're having a basically a governance formation conversation, uh, likely mostly in open space, following an unconference sort of format, uh, where we're going to raise what are the issues of governance that really matter to the people who are making it. So I don't want to just come out and say, this is the way things are. I really want to co-create this with people like you and and, and Tina and Christy and, and everyone else who's out here and all the people that we were able to talk with last Friday uh, who were a big part of making Social Media Club happen last time. Because they're storytellers, they're educators. We know their hearts are in the right place. And uh, it's a heck of a place to start with such a rich global network of amazing people uh, to be able to make it happen. And if we didn't have you and... And, and several other people now supporting it, I probably would have dropped out already by now. So thank you again. Uh, you guys make it easy to want to to pitch in and to be part of all of this. So let's let's grab our crystal balls, folks. Let's let's grab our crystal balls. Let's look into the future, and let's say and let's take a look at the. We can look at the past really quickly because we can remember when social media was very early adopter pioneer. And all of a sudden we fast forward now and it's mainstream. It's just part of how everybody does everything. If you're going to launch a business, if you've got a nonprofit, if you're someone who is just an individual, we're all using the same tools. But now let's let's look at our crystal balls and look at Web3 and participation on the blockchain and DAOs and, and really using it to its full extent as a technology that's meant to be an asset or a tool for us to use. How, how long do you think it will be before Web3 and blockchain and all of these tools becomes more, ma the mass adoption happens and it becomes mainstream. Christy, you mentioned 10 years. Is that, is that your guess? I, I really you know, want Christy to talk about this. I love <laughs> your take on this. Um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's funny. I think back to the early days in like 2004, 2005, when we started to talk about Web2 and then in 2006, when we actually launched Social Media Club, and I remember, I feel like it took six, seven years or so to actually get businesses to understand why they really wanted to integrate social media into their um, organizational plan. And, you know, and maybe, you know, they've learned since then, and people are adopting technology much more quickly nowadays. And so a decade is, is not going to what it's going to take. But I think my point was really, you know, I had FOMO literally a month ago going, I know nothing about these NFTs. What the heck? I've totally missed out on this market. And, um, you know, it. I realize there's still so much more to come. And it's in three years from now, it might be something my parents are talking about or not. You know, I mean, they may not give a crap about this. So it's it's hard to say. I wish I had the crystal ball on that, Jennifer. I just think for us, it's the understanding that there's no... It's not too late just to get in there and start checking it out. Some people will never uh, care about this. And some people will never want to buy an NFT or learn about the blockchain or form a DAO, right? And that's totally cool. But I think that just going back on experience, how long it took people to actually try to innovate and get those educational resources together, um, it's not going to happen overnight. So, uh, and Tina, anything to add to that? Well, I also know there is something to that barrier entry that Rose was speaking to. Um, and to your point, again, there's like unstoppable domains and people are trying to make dictionaries. And I think until that jargon stops becoming so, such a foreign language and the barriers to entry become 
less and it's easier. You don't have to sign up and be like, oh my gosh, I need a wallet. I mean, which wallet? And then suddenly you're looking at a hundred wallets and going, okay, I give up. (laughs) That's not a good UX. (laughs) No, no. And then you're like cold wallet or hot wallet. And what does that mean? So yeah, there's still a lot of terminology and understanding to go into that. So Chris, you know, we're looking at this as developing in public. And and I, I absolutely love that you all are very comfortable doing so because you're building this framework, you're building this organization, you're building this, but you're building it with us alongside you and maybe a little bit behind you, but then we're all kind of pulling and pushing and making this thing happen. What is it about building in public and specifically about building the web 3.1 on conference, this model, this DAO that, that you're you know, pressing forward with that is attractive? Oh God, so much. <laughs> I mean, you know, first of all, um, I, I want to say up front that as with the the moment when I decided that we were going to do Web 2.1 and we literally put it together in a week, um, I, you know, I just was overwhelmed with fear. Uh, I've battled fear of failure my whole life. Um, I don't want to look a fool. I, I speak a lot, so I don't follow the Abe Lincoln advice either. So I, I kind of do look like a fool quite often. So I guess I've become comfortable with it. Uh, but what I recognize is that over the years, being vulnerable in that way and being open about it um, has served me so much better. Uh, I, I haven't shared this story a lot, but you know, when I was younger, particularly in high school and whatever, I got away with a lot of white lies to get away with not doing my homework, to get out of death that I wasn't prepared for, uh, and stuff like that. And there was a point uh, where I went on a vision quest in the middle of the desert in uh, 99, so when I was about 30, and I just said, I'm never going to do that. I'm like, but we got to, like, you know, be truthful. And I read Don Miguel Ruiz's book on the Four Agreements, um, which is just an incredible sort of inspiration to understand how can we have personal freedom. And, uh, you know, one of the most important elements of it, the first one was be impeccable with your work. Um, so anyway, so that's what I just kind of adopted at that time. And then social media started coming around and, you know, like it just kind of fit like a glove on, as who I am and, and who I've become. Um, but in terms of learning in public and doing the Web3.1 thing, it's just the best way because so many environments of learning, people feel ashamed or they don't feel they can speak up and ask a question. I mean, you know this, how many business calls have we been on where you know somebody's talking about something and you can see around the room, half the people have no idea what's going on and no one's even gonna ask about it because they don't wanna be the ones who, who look like they don't know what's going on. So to normalize the fact that we are always learning, normalize the fact that you don't know something until you know it is a really important sort of behavioral norm we need to establish in society so uh, and it's also as you saw with you know social media club it's also a powerful way to bring more people along with you um, because as you learn and as you share what you learn and what you find out particularly when you're able to address like the internal psychology that prevented you from understanding it before and that resonates with people. It allows people to get past their own stuff and see themselves in that position of being able to be a change agent, being a way maker, of, of trying new things. And uh, the one thing that really always kills me, and I know so many people in the world of business, uh, is when you're trying to explain to somebody how they can do something new and wonderful and you don't have to waste a week of, of labor getting something done anymore. It can be done in an hour. And their response is, that's not how we do things around here. Oh, my God, I just hate that so much um, because there is a better way. And, and that's actually one of the bigger issues here is that uh, one of my other beliefs is that if we know better, we should do better. And why don't we? And, you know, to ask that third question is really the one. And then this idea, by the way, one last thing here, um, a more powerful question that one of my mentors, Bill Leiter, has written this great book, Mastering Your Balance. It's a protocol, a practice that he uses that actually forms our theme, really, is this what will it take process. By asking this, what will it take to deliver on the promise of Web3, we can get past people's self-limiting beliefs and tap into this neuropsychology sort of component of it all to allow for conversations and opinions and minds to be open 
to try to do new things to improve upon what we already have. Um, and I guess finally, one other thing, and I saw this a lot when I was down in Australia as an EIR. You know, there's so many cool things they do in Australia that we just don't have, like kill switches on outlets. <laughs> like, and it's like, why don't we have that? Um, well, because different cultures develop different systems and yada, yada, yada. But there are so many people who have solved amazing problems with the environment, with, with agriculture, with so much. And it's just a matter of the knowledge and the wisdom not being evenly distributed. So the other thing about being open here is it gets us that chance to have a wider distribution of the knowledge and now the wisdom. Um, and that's why, to your credit, Jennifer, when we were talking last week, we recognized it wasn't about getting 3,100 people with new wallets. It was about getting together the other educators, evangelists, and entrepreneurs to work together on how do we solve for these problems? How do we instill ethics in the design? How do we do all these different things to like make it work for ourselves and society, not just for the speculators and the already wealthy. Well, and to your point, Chris, uh, sorry, not to interrupt, but um, there's like a transparency thing that has happened uh, where things in a decentralized, supposed to be open source uh, platform has and community has become not that way, right? What we're experiencing now is a lot of top-down, uh, non-decentralized, very conglomerate, uh, 1% sort of push towards, I'll be honest with you, um, there are jargon that are purposefully engineered for it to, like IPO and ICO sound similar because it was purposely a PR play to make sure that those sound a bit confusing and somewhat similar so people have that same feeling that that's what it means and so um like candidly um i actually think the thing that this community in particular can benefit from the most right now at this important time is transparency openness and care people to care more uh, I love that so much, the both of you, what you're saying there, it really speaks to me in so many ways, and it really stays true to that that core mission. If you get it, share it, and learn, share, grow, which I'm such a fan of. And I know, Bakhtir, you're there. Um, if you have a question, go ahead and jump in before um, I ask my next question. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you so much. So first of all, uh, listening to the panel is so so good, actually, uh, You know, especially Chris, so fluid, so moving. Uh, wonderfully putting the words and words of wisdom so it's absolutely brilliant and of course tina as well uh chris you mentioned a couple of things one you mentioned australians they do so many things so they also have uh, alligators as their pets so they play with alligators too uh, just uh, just fyi <laughs> joking uh, <laughs> you know uh you talk about the catalyst the change catalyst piece or change uh, element i i, I love that point uh, especially around this uh, technology innovation and what's uh, so many things going on. So uh, we need to understand how this change is going to actually transform or transition from today to tomorrow. And and going back to the conference, sorry, uh, the Web 3.1 and conference. So I love the idea. Uh, I love what uh, is being visioning and how it's going to actually put together to ensure that we target the right people to discuss the right things unstructured, unformate, unconventional, which means nothing but to bring the ideas openly, freely, that's going to actually make so much difference. So my point is here, which I'm actually alluding to, is when, when we look at the blockchain, NFTs, especially and we're talking about the artists, the musicians, the painters, the, uh, the songwriters, the singers. Now, those are absolutely uh, crucial in, in today's NFTs world and, of course, going forward, too. What about the enterprises and organizations, uh, you know, coming from the retail space, uh, service industry, financial industries, financial sectors? How are they going to actually look at the NFTs blockchain perspective to formate or re-evolve their business model to cope with this new changing world, which is happening so quick and so fast. Are you planning to also bring those ideas to, on, in your unconference 3.1, Web 3.1 as well? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, that's been, a, that's been a big part of it. And, uh, you know, I, I spent a couple of years in a program as an IBM futurist and around the future of work and of course, that's what I was doing at Deloitte, too. We were trying to advocate for 
what we then called social business as an evolution of social media. Uh, it was also referred to as Enterprise 2.0 and so much more. And, you know, I started reading Fast Company with like the first issue, and I can't remember if it was 95, 96, or 97, but uh, I was with that community for a long time and the company of friends and my dear friend, you know. And so change agents are, you know, really my first love uh, because it's the pioneers, the rebels, and people who believe the world could be different and it could be better. Uh, and to see that what is isn't what always has to be, right? Um, and the enterprise is really where a lot of that happens. And for the last year, I've been working with a couple of my mentors in a program called Waymakers. Um, and it's the idea of making way. It's a new kind of change agent, if you will. We didn't really have much of a definition for it when we started. But that whole conversation has been around digital transformation and what's missing there. And it turns out um, that those conversations were really instrumental in getting to the point of being ready to talk about this Web3 technology and what's going on here. Because when we started looking at high-performing organizations, um, the one thing that got distilled, and there's a lot of things that got distilled and a lot of stuff we can share, and you can find a bunch of it on uh, the on YouTube uh, under Waymakers uh, hashtag. There's links to it all over Twitter and elsewhere. There's not that many links all over, by the way. We didn't get a big audience on it or anything, but a very powerful conversation. And anyways, what we found was the, 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 the trait that was in common across all the high-performing organizations we looked at was that there was a co-ownership, a sense of co-ownership in the organization and its mission. And it, it started with that clarity of vision, the, the, the shared values that, that held people together, common purpose, common objectives. And, you know, this was my startup that I worked on in, in 13 with the idea of getting people aligned. Well, what gets people aligned? Well, having a shared fate, as Jeremiah Oline would say. Um, but more than that, co-ownership. And that was really, really, really got interesting. So definitely looking at bringing a lot of these principles to play in there. Uh, and a lot of existing businesses, you know, they're getting into NFTs now. They're trying to deal with accounting issues. Is it an asset? Is it a liability? A whole bunch of other issues around it. Um, they're likely not going to change their governance structures. Uh, but there are some really interesting things in loyalty programs. And, you know, uh, we've been talking to a couple of people. And we, we're, I hope Jamie's going to talk about this, right, Christy? about digital twinning and some of the things that can be done. And digital twinning is the idea that if you buy an expensive car or handbag or something else, you'll get a digital twin, which is basically a certificate of ownership or authenticity uh, in the form of an NFT usually. Uh, and then there's different things that you can do with it. Now, one of the great things is that the basis of smart contracts is that you can pretty much write any kind of business logic or rules into it that I want. Um, so it's not necessarily held to, you know, it can only be this or it can only be that or it's only the artist or the other stuff. So there's going to be a lot of innovation around this space. Um, it's not the focus of it right now because the focus of it right now is to bring together the people who want to make that change, who want to ask those questions. And to your point earlier, that's why the unconference is there. So there's definitely going to be one track for enterprise, which means that on the first, that there will be a series of slots put open for people to talk about, and there will be a kind of kickoff sort of keynote, and again, the World Cafe and some networking. So it'll definitely be a part of it. Um, it's just not the full focus of it. Great, thank you so much. This is good, actually. Love it. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for the kind words. You know, you talk about who it's for and the different aspects. I think sometimes folks think, well, is this for me or is this the only time that this is going to happen? Can you give kind of like that long range view of where the Web 3.1 Unconference is going beyond just what's happening on March 1st? Well, I don't want to give anyone any ideas, but I, I did register 311 Web 311. I'm sorry, Web 311.live, Web 312.live, and I think Web 313.live. So I just wanted to have that just in case. Um, but, you know, what I'm really hoping to do is that this is the launch point for a new community. And as you know, you know, and part of the, part of the other reason for moving into social media was simply that, and part of the cheekiness of doing Web 3.1 even, was this idea of there being a version of the web is kind of preposterous. Um, but it's very helpful as a sort of symbol, as a social object, as a kind of common language that people can use to see each other and to recognize each other. 
Um, unfortunately, at the beginning, it's also exclusionary because people, you know, Rose brought up the good point. What does it friggin' mean? I didn't get the answer to that before, um, but it means a lot of different things, and that's still emergent, which is why I just think of it as a big flag that's kind of in front of this next revolution, which is also why it's so important to get more humans involved, uh, everyday people, as opposed to just the engineers, so we can avoid things like the AI bias problems we have in facial recognition and some of the other stuff by raising these issues a little sooner and having those voices heard in those rooms, right? Um, well, I was going to say, I think that's what's the, one of the most important pieces, too, is that this is not going to be or hope it doesn't turn into a fanboy club of everything Web3, right? I feel like there's some opportunities for naysayers or people who don't quite feel comfortable. We have a friend who's really worried about the privacy and the lack of you know, anonymity on the web. And he's like, I don't want everything on the blockchain. I don't want to be tracked to that level. And so I feel like there's going to be an opportunity for us to bring in voices from all different, not just backgrounds and experience levels, but also viewpoints um and not just you know based here it's like how does this impact various countries and and sectors and i think that's one of the most exciting things and chris jokes about the, the urls and all that too but i do hope that this is something that we continue to build on and um whether it remains a versioning exercise or it'll always be you know just the web 3.1 whatever that happens to be i mean eventually web web 2.0 got and even web 2.1 got renamed to social media. And so whether we call this the metaverse or whatever it is, I think there's some of that that's going to come through and we need to kind of, you know, gather around and come to terms with. Um, but I think that the the different voices, pro and con, are going to be really critical. Mm, I, I agree one because last, it can't just be all one way, right? We've got to have the discussion to have the pros and cons discussed. And that's one of the things that I talk to folks about Web3. I'm like, yes, it's like the Wild West. Yes, it's very exciting. But on the Wild West, it wasn't just that you were staking your claim. It wasn't just that you could forge your own path. It was also that you could get robbed, you could get killed, or you could wind up on the Oregon Trail. So I'm trying to, to let folks know it's not all wine and roses. Yes, there's amazing opportunity, and we can forge a path where everyone who wants to benefit from it can benefit together. We can all learn, share, grow together. But we also can't lose our common sense at the door. We can't just forget all of the practice and training that we've had with Web 1 and Web 2 that not everybody's out there who wants positive things in our lives. Some folks want negative things in our life. So I appreciate yep. the fact that folks can come in and say and be the naysayers and it's totally okay. Oh, well, we, we have to. We have to have contrarian voices and we have to find a way to talk with each other about it. That's a broader issue. Um, but I, I want to just close out the, the earlier question with one other thing, which is that it's not going to be called Web3 two years from now. And is it going to take two years, five years, 10 years? I, as usual, the, the adoption is going to be spiky across society. The adoption is going to be spiky across departments inside enterprises. There's going to be people who get it, who feel like they have the ability to risk trying to do something. And it's wow. going to be those people who actually make it happen. And, you know. And, I, I, and not to throw excited. a curveball, but there's also Web 4 looming. Um, you know, just heads up that quantum computing is arriving and it's probably going to create ripple effects all over the industry. And there's already discussion about how the people are not investing in quantum uh, jargon and knowledge and security, especially on the blockchain. They're already behind. Yep. Yep. So man, oh man. You know, I do <laughs> think, you know, look, there's a lot of other names for this right now that people are advocating for. You know, right now I, I'm leaning into the co-ownership economy um, because I think that explains it. And if you look back again from sharing economy to co-ownership economy, it's very similar, right? Sharing something and co-owning it. But the actual rights that are conveyed along with whatever that object or property or you know license or right is um is a vastly different thing when you have a sense of owning it as opposed to just using it very powerful we're we're um, gonna begin to wrap up any last questions from anyone i know we've covered a lot and so i gonna i'm gonna ask um tina and then christy and then chris um, last, we're going to do, be doing these every single week leading up to the actual Web 3.1 Unconference. So if you come back every Friday at this time, we're going to have more sessions, more discussions, more conversations. Invite your friends. 
And so last thoughts, Tina, for this uh, kickoff to the countdown to Web 3.1 Unconference. I'm just really excited to be here. I'm excited to be able to co-host. And and I'm just super happy to see people interested in caring leadership, transparency, openness, collaboration, co-creation, co-elevation. It's just exactly what, um, I, I, to be honest, a lot of people I know are looking forward to um, because there is a lot of noise and there is a lot of confusion. There are a lot of people getting hurt. There's a lot of people profiting at the expense of other people. And this is exactly that moment when we can actually use some community. Yeah, I think that's what excites me the most too. And this is not a, I was thinking about it as like, you know, as we go down this journey, the opportunity to learn together, that was one of the things that just made me so happy back in the mid 2000s when we were, you know, unwrapping the whole potential of web two is the opportunity to learn with one another that whether you had more knowledge about one thing and I knew more and something else or whatever, but the 